everybody. Welcome. This is Rachel. And I'm Peter. And, and this, this is, is All for, for Animals. animals. <laughs> All right. So today we're going to be discussing some commonly held animal myths. And we're going to talk about just how inaccurate they are. And I actually learned a lot doing the research for this one because there's quite a few of them in here that I had believed a long time as well or ones that I actually hadn't even heard of. So it was a lot of fun to research. Right. <laughs> so let's get into it. The first myth that I have to debunk is that apparently it's uh, believed that ducks quacks are the only sound that doesn't echo. And have you heard of this one before? No, I haven't. I'm really in tune to now because <laughs> I've never heard that <laughs> day in my life. So I'm just like picturing a duck quacking into the abyss of the Grand Canyon or something. <laughs> and it just not quacking back. Yeah, There's it's... no echo following. <laughs> That's yeah. <funny>. Like it <laughs> just seems like almost like a Wile E. Coyote cartoon segment for me. In fact, all sounds echo, but the reason that people don't realize that duck quacks do is just because they tend to be on the quieter side and that makes it harder for human ears to detect. So it does definitely echo. We just probably can't hear it. Yeah. I don't think we need Mythbusters to figure that one out. I think <laughs> if we grabbed a couple ducks and in a in a room with um not the best uh what would you call it? Noise dampening. Sound insulation. There you go. Yeah. Yep. That I think we could I think I could get a duck quack to echo. Oh, okay. We're gonna. We should totally try to like test out. <laughs> Maybe some later of these in myths. life, when when I own ducks, not if when I own ducks, <laughs> we'll have we'll have the material we need to figure out. If Hell this, yeah! Uh, All right. If this is really debunked. <laughs> and if anybody, any of our listeners, happen to own ducks or live near a pond that has ducks, let me know because I'm pretty sure I've heard ducks duck quacks echo. Even I mean, when I was growing up, I spent all of my time at the lake with my grandparents. So I've, I feel like I've heard duck quacks echo even just over the water before, but I could be wrong. Right. <laughs> so my next myth is that dogs don't sweat. Now this is one that I've tried to explain to a few clients, but it tends to get a little bit muddy. Do you know uh, anything about this myth? Don't they, they sweat out their paw pads? Yes. However, they actually have more uh, glands that I was not aware of that also allow them to sweat. So I have here from the American Kennel Club, while dogs do most of their temperature regulating by panting, they also do sweat. They have two different types of sweat glands, and I'm going to butcher the name of this, so I'm very sorry, but it's a merocrine gland, which is similar to human sweat glands, and then they also have apocrine glands. The merocrine glands are located in the dog's paw pads and sweating through their paws helps cool dogs down. So you are definitely right on that front. However, the apocrine glands, which are located throughout the entire dog's body, also make them sweat. But that type of sweat doesn't seem to have any effect on actually cooling the dog down. And instead, it contains scent pheromones that help other dogs identify each other. Interesting. Yeah, I thought so yeah, too. Would have never known. <laughs> I love learning new things about dogs. So my next one, I'm always curious if people know this one because I grew up watching Tom and Jerry and they were big proponents of perpetuating this myth. And that is that a mouse's favorite snack is cheese. 
Have you heard of it before? Absolutely. Okay. And being that I've owned mice, I can debunk this one myself. <laughs> so I have here that mice will eat pretty much anything made available to them, but they actually have a preference for grains or sweets and especially like fruit over cheese. And this is mostly because they have such a strong sense of smell that cheese is too strong and rich smelling. And it's also just pretty unfamiliar to mice since it's not something that just kind of occurs in nature. It's a man-made product. So, right. yeah. But that's a good one. Yeah, no. I mean, they'll pr- they would eat cheese. I'll tell you that right oh, now. Oh, yeah, they exactly will eat right. it. They prefer, but they prefer other things. They'd rather have fruits or oats. Yep, yeah, absolutely. All right, so my next myth is, and this is one that um, I remember my brother being fascinated with sharks when he was a kid, and he would always talk about this one. And the myth is that sharks don't get cancer. I've never heard that one. No, I thought you were going to say, like, you know, the typical, like, Jaws, sharks are killers and da-da-da-da-da. Oh, but sure. No, I didn't. I actually have, we have another episode already researched where we're going to talk about debunking the whole jaws of it all. <laughs> so the origin of this myth is a book that was published in 1992. And the title says it all. It just says sharks don't get cancer. And the author was I, William Lane. So he is to blame for this nonsense. Uh, he was essentially peddling a shark cartilage supplement made and sold by his own son, which, I mean, can you say conflict of interest? Right, yeah. As a uh, cure or treatment for cancer. It was removed from the market in 2000, and their company was actually fined a million dollars for false advertising. Good. <laughs> Seems fair. Yeah. <laughs> So the next one that I have is one that we actually get to debunk all the time as groomers, or at least I do, because we have a real skunk problem here where I live. There's just, they're, they've overrun the world out here. Are you going to say um, the tomato and... juice? Yes. Is that where we're going with this? Yes. <laughs> yes. So the, the myth is that tomato juice will get rid of the skunk smell. So I actually did a fair amount of research on this because I've always been interested in like where it came from and I couldn't really find exactly where the myth originated but I did find a good explanation of why some people have thought it worked if you've ever thought that this one worked it was more than likely simply due to olfactory fatigue the process by which your perception of an odor becomes more faint just because of the prolonged exposure to it so the masking. smell is still there, okay. but you have become desensitized to it. Nose blind. Exactly, like yeah. the Febreze commercials. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, actually, and to note, if your dog gets skunked, do not get them wet. It makes it a lot worse. Yes. Um, do you do the baking soda paste? Is that what you do? Yeah, I tell people to pack their dog's coat with dry baking soda before yes. I arrive, and I do offer emergency my dog got skunked appointments either before or after my normal business hours so that I can help people get that taken care of before they get it get their dog wet but yeah I tell them all the time if you go and and just stick your dog straight in the tub it makes it that smell is gonna linger for like over a year and I can't remember it's I think it's because I know the answer, just not off the top of my head. The the water... It's because the oil bonds with, like, the hair follicle, if I yeah. remember correctly. I think that's right, yeah. Yeah. 
you're crazy too for that because i i i've de-skunked one dog and never again that's not a service i offer <laughs> I oh just, really <laughs> no i can't do it unfortunately um it's too much of a smell for me i it, it, i just can't so. i mean i hate it every single time but i just always i think you know if it happened to one of my dogs and i didn't know from years and years of experience having to de-skunk them, I would desperately hope that someone was willing to take care of my dog well, at least so I that know I could bring I can, them back inside. <laughs> I can refer my skunk dog people to you then. <laughs> you yes, just let them know my emergency after hours rate is double my usual rate. As it should be, yeah. Well, and any sort of de-skunking service is not cheap. For yeah. obvious reasons. I don't think that there needs to be an explanation of why. <laughs> it yeah. speaks for itself. And this next one is actually one that I knew part of, but not the whole thing. And that is that oil and petroleum products come from dinosaurs. So have you heard this myth before? I think when I was really younger, yeah. I think when I was a little guy, I've heard that once or twice. Okay, so I always knew that it wasn't actually that simple, that the oil and petroleum products are from prehistoric creatures, but they are actually from marine plants and animals that predate dinosaurs. Oh, wow. So, yeah, they're like algae and other uh, sea creatures that died and fell to the ocean floor before dinosaurs even came about 66 billion years ago or whenever that was i think it was 66 billion years now and it's like why like do that. we as a human race even make this shit up like who does it benefit <laughs> you know what i mean well this one actually comes i guess from the whole sinclair oil company they use a dinosaur as their logo oh. and so because of the fact that it's just kind of a simplified way of saying it i guess it was easy for it to get misconstrued over time sure yeah absolutely yeah no that's that's really interesting and i hadn't heard i well i don't think that i ever heard about oils i definitely have heard about petroleum the petroleum-based products yes but well, oil, what I, what I meant by oil was like the petroleum oil products like that oh, you use in your car. Sure. sure. Yeah. Nice. That's interesting. And the fact that they predate the dinosaurs is even more bizarre that that even exists. <laughs> okay. So my next myth is that bears hibernate. And this is one that I had never heard of uh, the, the actual term for what they do during the winter ever before. I thought it was actual hibernation. I'm curious because I thought they did hibernate. <laughs> so Okay, I'm good. I'm glad I'm not the only yeah, one. I'm learning things today too, evidently, because yeah, I thought that bears hibernated. I didn't know any different. The definition of hibernation is an animal's body temperature lowering to nearly match the outside environment for the entirety of winter or the, the winter temperatures, at least. Right. But bears differ in, and I'm going to butcher this this term again as well, they use a process called torpor, or tor torpor. Well, and if not, someone in the audience will correct us at some point. Either oh, I'm sure. Or, either they will or they won't, so. Okay. So, hibernation means that an animal's body temperature lowers to nearly match their outside environment for the entirety of the uh, low winter temperatures. Bears, on the other hand, use torpor, and I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, so somebody correct me, uh, which means inactivity along with a short-term 
reduction in body temperature throughout the winter months. So that does mean that they can be roused from their dens and they'll, they'll also respond to an external threat. So it's definitely best to uh, leave them alone. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I don't think that approaching a bear in any sense would be wise. No, I can't say that it would. Yeah. In fact, um, when I lived in New Hampshire, we used to have a mama bear and her two cubs that would come visit our porch every spring and destroy all of our bird feeders. Oh, really? Yeah. And it was terrifying. Well, I mean, you <laughs> see those videos of them breaking into cars. I mean, they're smart. Animals. Yeah. I don't want a smart animal that could literally tear me in half anywhere near no, me. No, me neither. All right. So the next one, I kind of had a, a an inkling, I guess, because I have worked with fish and had fish like my entire life. Um, and that is the myth that goldfish have a three-second memory span. I remember hearing this one a lot growing up, but I kind of never really gave it much stock. What about you? I've heard the same about beta fish, too. And honestly, I feel like betas are pretty intelligent. I have one. His name's Cal. And he knows every time I walk in there, he gets excited. And I watch him swim to the surface because he knows he's getting fed. Exactly. I don't think an animal with a, a three-second attention span would remember every 24 hours when they're getting fed. I think that's a stretch. That's pretty much exactly what I read. They can learn to associate certain sounds with feeding time. Uh, they can actually even be taught to operate tiny levers and, like, mazes and whatnot. Yeah, swim through hoops and stuff. And even recognize their owner's Absolutely. presence, which would obviously take longer than yeah, three seconds. Yeah, uh, so when we were getting some pet training advice for one of our dogs, um, mm -hmm. we had a behavioralist come in. And, you know, I was just talking with her, of course, because, of course, I was interested. I was in vet med at the time. And she had mentioned to me that i mean training training across the board i mean it, it differs a little bit but it's all kind of the same positive reinforcement mm -hmm. and she in order to get board certified or i don't know if that's the correct term but whatever she did to, to get where she was she had to train at least two species of animals to do certain tasks and her first was being dogs because obviously that's the clientele that um, she shot for and then the second species she decided to train was goldfish she trained a goldfish to swim to pink posted notes as opposed to green posted notes which is super badass i think it's super cool that she was able to do that and just the, the consistency and the yeah. patience okay so my next myth is that head lice have a preference for uh, and I've heard, this this myth is actually kind of a bit of a twofer because there's at one time or another been the myth that head lice have a preference for clean hair or dirty hair. So at first they were associated with oily, dirty hair. And then later on in history, people actually believed that they preferred clean hair so that they had easier mobility around the hair shafts. And in actuality, they have no preference whatsoever. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> that sounds like it makes sense. I mean, they just—they're just there to repopulate and make your life miserable. So yeah, I don't know that they're going to be too picky. Uh, mosquitoes. I think there's been research on mosquitoes and that that because like I don't get bit by mosquitoes. Very Are you much. serious? Um, and I, yeah, I'm that lucky guy. <laughs> I, remember, I hate you. I would always go to these Bible camps and all these kids were getting bit up. And I remember we had one rule, and it was you know like don't hurt. Don't hurt God's creation yeah. unless it's a mosquito, then you can kill that shit. And I never had to worry about it. And I think, I can't remember if it's a difference of diet or blood type or perhaps 
a combination, but but yeah, um, mosquitoes have a preference. Evidently, lice do not. Nope, they don't. Well, and maybe lice have a preference for like different people's blood types or something, and we just don't, haven't figured that out yet. But they don't care about the cleanliness of your hair, at least. Yeah, right. Okay, so next one is kind of a funny one, and that is that ostriches bury their heads in the sand when they are scared or threatened. Have you heard this one? Yeah, and I, yes, and I know that not to be true, and I'm a damn hypocrite because I use that the analogy. Well, you, you go bury your head in the sand. I use that. You're being. It's an still a great analogy. It is, but it's so inaccurate. <laughs> it is, and I mean, this one apparently started simply because of an optical illusion, according to my research. Hmm. Ostrich bodies are so large, and heads their heads are so small. That when they're, like, picking at the ground, it can look from a distance like their head is in the sand. Because you can't really see the head, but you can see the body. Oh, okay. And they wouldn't be able to stick their head in the sand because, obviously, then they couldn't breathe. Yeah, fair um, point. <laughs> another possible origin is also that they, they do dig nesting holes for their eggs in the sand. And occasionally throughout the day, they have to turn the eggs using their head also apparently making it look like their head is inside of that that little sandy hole but it it's not interesting and i have another one that i i had never even heard of this myth but it was just so interesting i had to include it so i'm really curious if you've even heard of this one that rhinos like to stomp out campfires yeah no <laughs> can't say i've heard that before <laughs> I don't know that there's even a lot of opportunities for that to happen, but there's enough to make a myth out of well, it, right? This is apparently a really old-ass myth, because European explorers brought this myth back after first exploring in Asia, mm. where they decided apparently that rhinos ate fire. And yes, I'm aware the title of this myth said stomp, because this myth is a bit of a twofer. Okay. Over time... People got their continents mis mixed up. And what started out as these Asian fire-eating rhinos turned into fire-trampling rhinos of Africa that we now see apparently portrayed in popular culture, like cartoons such as the wild thornberries, which I loved. Yeah, definitely had not heard that myth. That was I'm glad you included it because that was strange <laughs> to say the least <laughs> well and again it's like the origin of, of where these myths came from like how do they even like like for, for why for what reason i don't know people were they were wilding back then you know <laughs> well they also didn't have like you know sometimes you got to make shit up when you're bored and you got to think a, a lot of back then it was such a simple time yeah that maybe a myth or a mystery kind of gave Gave some entertainment. Plus, yeah. I imagine it's kind of like how everybody knows that your fishing story is going to be exaggerated. Mm -hmm. If you think about having to travel all the way from England to Asia in a wooden boat built by hand and everything, I, I feel like you're going to puff up the story of what you saw and did over there so that you seem even cooler to everybody when you get back. You know what I That's mean? That's true. Well, and they're not going to be <laughs> able to say any different. You know. Exactly. Who's going right. to argue with you? <laughs> exactly. That's funny. That's a good point. So this is another one that I don't think I had heard of before. And it is giraffes only sleep 30 minutes a day. 
Is that one you've heard of? Uh-uh. I don't think so. Okay, so giraffes... Apparently this originated because people were like, well, giraffes have to spend their whole day alert and awake to watch out for predators. Right. Lions, jaguars, everything. So... Um, they do have to spend a lot of their time wide awake in order to look out for those predators. But in reality, they actually sleep a total of about four and a half hours. And they do it in short five-minute power naps. So wow, I, wish. I cannot imagine how stressful that would yeah. be to only get five minutes of sleep at a time. Although, if it's like a quick power nap, think about how productive your days would be on like a, from a human stance. I don't want to be that productive. I want some rest, dang yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so either. I want my lazy days where I don't do shit. You're right. <laughs> yeah. We already work That's our funny. asses off. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Well, isn't there like, is the horses sleeping standing up a myth? No, actually. Horses do sleep standing up. And it, do they? Yes. Okay. It's actually, people have to look, people who own or are around horses have to keep an eye out. Because if their horse is spending too much time laying on the ground, that's usually an indication that something is wrong. Um, right. Especially something like colic, where their intestines or stomach actually twist on themselves, and that is life-threatening. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so horses actually do sleep standing up, as do giraffes. Uh, yeah, that's, but, what, uh, that's what I mean. You want to know another fun fact about giraffes? What's that? Their, their left and right legs walk in sequence. So both their left legs will move at the same time as the right. They, like, wobble. Oh, okay. If you can imagine. And, again, the only reason I know this is because I've just always been an animal guy. And I had learned that, I think, at Animal Kingdom in Disney World I did a tour. I am so jealous other... that you got to go to to Animal Kingdom for a tour. I have yet to be there, to go there. Uh, we'll, we'll go. I love Florida. <laughs> Disney is the happiest place on earth for a reason, and their animal kingdom. I mean, they have, oh, they have these gorgeous animals, and uh, we could make a whole episode just talking about animal kingdom. Disney. We should. Take a trip and bring home some information. Yeah. All right, and the next one is that flamingos stand on one leg in order to conserve body heat. Hmm. And I didn't know this, but apparently even some zoos are getting this one wrong, which I was shocked by. It's been proposed that keeping one leg out of the water will help keep flamingos warmer. Uh, they also do this, though, on dry land. So that kind of debunks the myth right there. Yeah, no kidding. Right. And according to researchers from Georgia Tech, it's actually just the most stable and relaxed position for them to rest in. So for people, standing on one leg is difficult and requires a bunch of muscle movement to keep yeah. the leg steady. But for flamingos, that's actually the least mus uh, least taxing on their muscles is to stand that way. I thought that was pretty cool. So my next one is that bees can only sting once. And I feel like I was told this like my entire childhood. What about you? I thought that was true. I thought that they sting you once and it, and it removes not. the lower part of their abdomen. So the only type of bee with an air bunny's single-use stinger is the honeybee, mm. and that's because it's a barbed stinger, which then gets, a, like, stuck in skin when the bee stings you. Mm. Bumblebees, yellow jackets, and wasps, though, their stingers are really, really smooth, so they can keep stinging you over and over again. I knew that about and wasps. And even for, yeah, even for the one-and-done stingers, 
once it detaches from the bee, it still has that venom sac attached to it, and it will continue to inject venom into your skin for up to two or three minutes, which is why you're always supposed to get that stinger out, like, right away. Rub it with a credit card. <laughs> I've only been stung by a yes. bee, I think, once or twice in my life, so yay me, I'm so lucky. <laughs> They're not, <laughs> that yeah, is good. it's not comfortable at all, so... But that's yeah. crazy because I I was hell-bent that... Because you always hear, you know, when a bee stings you, it's like a suicide mission to protect the rest of yeah. the Yeah. The next one is that earthworms can survive as two separate worms if they are cut in half. Mm. And this one is kind of just a bit of a misunderstanding. The earthworm does have a distinct head and a distinct tail, with the head end being closest to that thick band on the worm's body. Mm-hmm. And the head can grow another tail if, and only if, it's cut off below that thick band. Mm. The severed tail will probably wriggle around for a little bit after being cut off, but it won't be able to regenerate a whole new worm. Okay, interesting. So yeah, I thought that was kind of cool, because I had always heard that as a kid, too. The next one is that cows can't walk downstairs. Now, have you heard of that one before? Because I definitely have. I have. I've also heard with buffaloes, they can't, they can't, run downhill oh okay now that one i know is absolutely untrue because i've even just been to yellowstone right right (laughs) i think the myth was that they move too quick or their weight will trip them up or something but continue with your cow myth we're debunking here so this is one that i've actually i had believed like my entire life and funny story my senior year of high school I went to high school in Colorado, and dairy farms are a big thing out there. So there were several families that went to my high school that had access to literally hundreds of cows. And so there was a plan for our senior prank to be releasing a couple of cows upstairs in the high school because then they weren't going to be able to get them back down. And I don't really remember what happened but that didn't wind up actually happening at our school but until I did the research for this I thought that was actually true and they mostly just prefer not to because it's uncomfortable and a little bit scary to them Mm -hmm. but cows absolutely will figure out a way to walk downstairs if they have to yeah well and cows are a very complex creature yeah but no I mean that makes sense you think about how like nervous cows are by nature I would imagine if I was a what, 5,000-pound animal, I wouldn't want to go downstairs either. Yeah, and it, it also has something to do with the way that their, like, knees bend. But, mm-hmm. uh, so, like, they, they would struggle to go straight down the stairs, you know, like, their nose uh, perpendicular. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm sorry, not perpendicular. Yeah, perpendicular to the stairs. Right. But they can, they kind of have to just do it a little bit sideways, but they can do it. Interesting. Our last myth is kind of a cute one and that is that ant eaters inhale their dinner and that is because cartoons have yes i grew up watching cartoons that convinced i feel like us all that an anteater's long snout is nothing more than like a vacuum for bugs sure but in reality they actually have a long sticky worm-like tongue to eat their ants and termites <laughs> and they can actually eat up to 35,000 ants and termites in a single day and their tongues flick around in the like ant holes and termite mounds 160 times per minute that's crazy 
I just could not believe that. <laughs> it's like a it's like a a fly strip for ants, but just live anatomy almost. Yes, exactly. That's really interesting. Yeah, I wonder if they got some fire ants on their tongue, how that would feel, though. I'm sure that through evolution, they've probably created some sort of barrier on their tongue. That... Well, here's hoping. Yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. I hope everybody enjoyed learning that some of these things that I, I feel like I just kind of knew from childhood were not actually true. Yeah, and I just, half of these I hadn't even heard of, so this is just <laughs> all new information. <laughs> Though if I ever hear someone complaining about their cow not going down the stairs, I can yeah. I'll call them out on their bullshit. <laughs> yeah. So when exactly would you experience this uh, particular situation? I don't know that there ever would be. <laughs> but if there was, I have the information I need to debunk it. So thank you, Rachel. Yes. <laughs> I armed you with all the information you ever need. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Absolutely. And if you guys know of any myths of your own that weren't taught, you know, I'm sure there's so many out there um, that we didn't touch on. Please feel free to write us in and um, absolutely, and, and give us some more mind-boggling information. Please and thank you. Right. <laughs> yes. Until next week, pet people. All right. Thank you very much. And give your pets a good scritchy behind the ears for us. Absolutely. Absolutely.